Welcome to the Sing Better Fast podcast, the podcast exclusively for serious and passionate vocalists. You are now part of a professional group of smart and motivated singers who want to become masters of the voice and inspire millions with our music. Get all of our podcast episodes, notifications for upcoming events, new podcast releases, and other vocal resources at singbetterfast.com. Now here are your hosts, Jamie Vendera and Ben Valen. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. This is Ben, your second favorite podcast co-host. I got Jamie Vendera here with me, and we have a special guest with us today. We have Clayton Stroop uh, from Thriving Ivory and Midnight Cinema. So, hi, guys. How's it going? Yeah, but I got to talk first because I'm I'm super excited about this. You, you don't know how excited I'm about this. I, I want to admit something that hardly nobody knows. I, I'm shy. <laughs> <laughs> Believe I don't know. Uh, and when I say that, I mean, I'm shy with reaching out to singers. I, I really don't do that. I've never really sought a singer to work with. It's just not my thing. But when I heard Angels on the Moon, what, 10 years ago, man, Clayton's voice just grabbed me. And I was doing some work with Windup Records at the time. Um, so I actually got a hold of them because I had to find this singer. So I don't even remember all the details, but whatever bull crap i came up with it worked because i got clayton on Skype. <laughs> we work together so uh glad to have you here clayton why don't you tell us a little bit about your backgrounds you know starting before thriving ivory up to what you're doing today sure yeah yeah um yeah so you know thanks for having me and it's crazy you know i, I remember you reaching out and i don't remember the details but i remember pretty soon after we spoke over the phone i was living in san diego and we were we were doing skype like our the very first uh, Skype voice lessons, and you were kind of showing me how to stretch, and um, was just the very beginning of me kind of opening my eyes and kind of figuring out how to uh, how to keep singing the way that I was singing and not destroy my voice, you know. And, and uh, I remember you saying one of the first things is saying is like, listen, these guys with these rock voices that have this unique affect to it, whether it's scrunching down or grit, you know, they're, they're not technically anatomically singing correct. Um, and that you were going to help, help me preserve that quality of my voice, but, and not kill myself basically, you know, doing that every night. Um, and that was kind of a revelation for me because looking back on, uh, I even looking back on the early thriving ivory recordings, like the first record I have, so it's awkward for me to listen to sometimes because I can hear like the lack of control and I'm just kind of up there and not really, uh, you know, I, I was just singing the way I was singing, you know, not really conscious of it, you know, and uh, how I'm able to sing now, you know, is, is a world apart from back then. Cause I'm, I'm still able to do the same stuff, but, but control it and, sing a little more open sometimes or squeeze it and kind of sound like the old thriving ivory sound, you know, but, um, my background was, uh, I, you know, we started the band thriving ivory when I was like 19 in Santa Barbara. And when we first started, you know, I think only a couple of the guys were 21. So we, I couldn't even go into the venues, you know, we would wait outside and look in the, the windows of the vet of the bar, you know, and then when it was time to play our set, I could come inside and jump on stage and sing. And then I had to immediately leave, you know, uh, <laughs> with my Pepsi or whatever. Um, 
And uh, we kind of did it the old school way. You know, I don't, I don't know if there's too many bands with technology nowadays and social media. I don't know if there's a lot of bands that still do it this way, you know, which was we got in a van, literally, you know, actually at first it was a Chevy Tahoe and we would tow a U-Haul, dirty little U-Haul rental trailer. And we would drive up and down the coast of California and, and play shows, you know, uh, and eventually we started getting some radio airplay with our song angels on the moon and got started getting the attention of record labels. You know, I mean, mind you, this was, you know, it took us five, six years before we really started showcasing for record companies just to kind of give people some sense of, uh, it's tough. You see these shows like American Idol, you know, and, and they're on the show for three months, you know, and here's your record deal, you, you know? <laughs> and, um, I don't, I don't think with social media and kind of the instant gratification, I think that maybe some of the generations are more used to nowadays that people really have a sense of, um, the grind, you know, and that's not to say that there aren't bands out there doing it now, but, um, it, you know, kind of the classic story, um, uh, we showcased for a record label, wind up records was one of them. And, uh, at the time, Evanescence was probably their their last big band, mm -hmm. you know, and we ended up signing a record deal with them. And we were their first kind of pop rock band. You know, we, all, most of the other stuff was kind of like active rock and alternative stuff. So, you know, they, they loved the song and Angels on the Moon was our first single and it, it you know, it did pretty well in the US and um, Canada and stuff. And I think that's when we met up is maybe you had heard the song and, and um, you know, I was um, losing my voice, you know, granted we were playing four or five nights a week, you know, back to back, you know, hour and a half sets and, you know, 14, 15 songs maybe. And I was, I was drinking before, during and after, you know, um, alcohol is not good for the vocal cords, you know, as we know, and, and I was smoking and really, again, <laughs> just not, not conscious of, um, not conscious of how I was singing, you know, um, I've been singing for a while by that point, you know, six or seven years. And I kind of developed my sound as a singer, but technically, was kind of just unconscious as far as what I was doing. And, and it was, it was common for me to lose my voice, you know, have that feeling that we all know when, you know, a certain parts coming up in the song and you start panicking or getting that anxiety, like 30, a minute prior in the back of your head, you know, and we did some Skype lessons and then we met up. I think you Probably. came and met me in Columbus and uh, we did kind of a lengthy backstage stretch and i actually i think i was actually sick when you came like i, like I had lost my voice i think you know and it kind of helped me get through that show um and then hey clayton don't mean to interrupt you but dude I, i'm sorry i gotta i gotta ask because you're going you just mentioned that angels on the moon was on the radio then you started looking for record companies that's been sticking on my last couple minutes so you telling me 
that that song was on the radio in California before you got signed? Yeah. So, and again, this is probably the case with uh, a lot of bands first single, you know, the song itself was written in like 2002 or 2003. Now, granted the first version was like halftime and it was like super sappy and slow. And we, we basically, we chopped it up and sped it up and ended up with the final version. And we had sent it out, you know, we had just, I think we sent little press kits or something to uh, a bunch of radio stations and Live 105, 105.3 in San Francisco was the station that kind of got back to us. And the program director there, Aaron Axelson, who's kind of a local radio guy uh, who's discovered a lot of bands over the years, he's just started playing it. He's like, I'm going to put it in full rotation. And they were playing it like four or five times a day. So we, we kind of piggybacked off that to get some bigger, we had to start having some bigger shows in San Francisco because we were on the radio and then had record companies come out. So it had been on the radio for like, like six months or something. And then the record companies came and started sniffing around. So yeah, that's what I learned about. I mean, they had a windup had like a commercial on TV kind of freaked yeah. me out because I never, yeah. I've never seen them do that for Alter Bridge or Evanescence or anything. I want to yeah. um, actually, so you mentioned a few things earlier. So one of the things you basically said was um, you had sort of a unique sound, but um, you wanted you wanted to keep that sound, but also preserve your voice. And uh, to me, like there, there are a lot of singers who they learn to sing with a certain style that maybe there's a lot of grid or screaming sound or really rough type of sound to it and that they get that through, but they get there through bad vocal technique with, you know, not knowing how to support, not understanding the breathing or anything involved. And then oftentimes, not everyone, but oftentimes they're sort of afraid to learn how to sing it properly because they're gonna get turned into an opera singer and, you know, you're gonna take away all the unique uh, cool sounds that they make. Um, and so that's, that's just one thing I wanted to point out is that you can, and we said this actually, Jamie and I, in one of our lessons with one of our students, she was actually singing uh, a very strong sound, but she was afraid that if we sort of taught her to not use as much air, that she was going to lose the edge. And so I told her, no, you can keep the sound, but you can do it in a healthy way. Um, and so that's that's one thing you said that, like, that, I, I my ears perked up for that right away. Uh, and then the second thing, one of the other things you said is, it took you five to six years before showcasing for record labels. And uh, this is uh, a little bit of tough love. I think a lot of people, they think, okay, I'm going to go practice for a week or a month or whatever. And then I'm going to get signed, you know, like the next week. Like, no, it's, it's, if you want to do it, you got to do it. Like there's, there's time, there's energy, there's, you know, dealing with people, there's, you know, networking, there's, there, it's, there's, it goes, there's a lot that goes into it. And so uh, I kudos to you and, you know, all the success you have had from being willing to do it, being willing to actually do the grind. And yeah. I, I'm so, I'm going, I just want to say I'm sorry for being so ADHD and taking you off track from Columbus, but that's okay. how we roll. We're thinking of stuff. <laughs> Back to you, Clayton. No, yeah. And I think some of that was uh, just, just a sign of the times that, you know, the home studio – the technology at that 
time was not quite what it is today. And, and for us to record, you know, when we, when we compiled our songs and recorded a, our first uh, 11 or 12 songs, we waited and worked with a producer in our guitar player's basement and recorded it, you know, uh, old fashioned style, you know, when very, there was not a lot of digital. I mean, we like maybe layered some drum samples and some plugins on my voice and stuff. But, you know, nowadays, you know, if you take a couple months and write four or five great songs, uh, if you have the know-how, you can produce them in your bedroom, you know, and, and, um, the untrained ear to the untrained ear, it's very difficult to tell like what's digital anymore, you, you know? And, uh, so I, I think maybe that process might be cut down nowadays, that time frame, uh, just by virtue of technology, you know? Right. And, uh, I, you know, I remember, I remember going to promote shows going into MySpace, okay? <laughs> MySpace, right? And we, we, if we were playing a show in San Francisco, we would search our friends list by zip code and narrow it down to this group of people within the geographic area and send personal messages to every single person. And you can't even, you can't even filter it. You can't do that anymore. But um, just to show you how intense we were about it. But, um, you know, I think things can move faster nowadays and there's, there's so many more outlets um, to release music. I mean, you can get stuff, I don't even, back then, I don't even know how, obviously we went through the record label to get our stuff on iTunes, but now you can do it yourself at home. Yeah, you know, right, you can right. get it out everywhere. So, you know, things have just changed a lot too. Uh, so something I'm curious about is um, sort of whenever you were getting started and actually current day, like today, um, what is it that really drives you to do this? Like what what is it that has you sticking to it, showing up, practicing, recording, what is it, what is that for you? You know, um, I still just love the process of, uh, creating a song, creating something that when you're, you're done with it, you can just listen to over and over and over it and, and sounds and sounds amazing when you get that special feeling about a song and you know, it's, it's awesome, you know, and I, I have always, love that that process you know it's the touring aspect and all that stuff is i much harder for me now because you know because i have kids and stuff but I, i've always held on to that love of the songwriting and production process um, whether it be with a full band or just sitting with a producer and, and working in logic or whatever and assembling the pieces of the song you know um it's um a part, uh, you know, just that creative process, that itch, you, you know, um, never for me, at least, you know, never really has ever gone away. So, right. I got a couple things uh, as you're talking. So make me think for one, and Ben actually kind of brought this on a minute ago. Uh, it's not even related to me. Just you, you, you sang, you found your sound. It was an amazing sound. That's why I, I sought you out. You got some, you got some training, the basics, and then you apply them. Uh, a lot of singers think, oh, like he said, oh, well, I, I, I won't sound the same. How was it for you uh, when you when learned a few things? What did it did it change your sound or did it just make it easier? I mean, what 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 was the benefit for you? The benefit for me 
Why well, I, I remember I remember when we first started working and, and you kind of explained it to me, you're like, yeah, you're what you're doing is you're 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 compressing your soft palate a mm -hmm. little bit. This is how I get that sound, I guess. You know, it, you know, and so then I was then I was conscious of it. And then it was like I couldn't get it out, you know, it was almost like a curse, you know, because then I'm like, <laughs> but once I got over that, um, I would say in general, it was just a general awareness of what I was doing on, uh, on stage, um, warming up, and um, I would say, and then and then slowly, just a greater sense of control. Um, when I warmed up, when I warm up properly, you know, I, and well, one of the coolest things was Jamie, when you had me, I loaded our set onto my uh, iPod or whatever. And then you said, uh, go for a run <laughs> and, and just whisper the whole thing out, you know? And then I, and then I, that was like an eye opener. Cause I, I think we had a show that night at, it was a bigger show in San Francisco or something. And, and I, I did that and I finished and then it, you know, it was just like, Whoa! you know, it was, it was awesome. <laughs> so along the road, I feel like there've been all these little aha moments, you know, and then as it, the cumulative product of that is now I, I, again, I look back, I was, I was working on a, a song with a, a, a producer down in LA and, um, called the under one word the under and he does um produces a lot of track for uh sync and licensing for movies and, and tv and stuff and we were working on a song and we were just discussing my history and, and he played angels on the moon i think and and his comment was similar he's like man yeah you, you've got a great voice and it's really unique he's like but i i actually like your voice better now being that it just seems like you have much more control over it, you know, and, um, you know, and it was definitely not an overnight thing. Like I said, it was, you know, several lessons with you and then, um, learning how to warm up. Right. And, and then like the most recent, my, my, uh, my, uh, pocket Vox guy here, you know, addition <laughs> to my, the arsenal. So, you know, I don't know. It's, it's just been a, you know, I don't know, Jamie, do you have the same thing? If you go back and listen to old oh, songs yeah, of absolutely. yours, do you know this stuff? Yeah, I, 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 everything's changed, especially the new stuff I'm doing now. I'm feeling a little more free. But yeah, even going back to thinking with Thriving Ivory and Midnight Cinema, I could hear the distinction in, in your unique voice throughout the next record and, and, the, and the different band. But I, I heard a little more openness. I even I, spots on the second record of Thriving Ivory. I thought, damn, he's singing higher than what he did before. Uh, I I cannot, for the life of me, figure out why the heck Thriving Ivory didn't blow up. Hey, Lady should have been out. Several songs on <laughs> the second record. I mean, you have bands like uh, Train, uh, Maroon Five. Not to kind of categorize you in that band, but it was kind of that almost pop, half pop, half rock thing. You would have set so well and should have been as famous as either one of those bands. Yeah, I mean, it is one thing I learned is uh, you can have the best songs in the world, 
you know, hit songs, a record of 12 hit songs, you know, and, but they're, the minute you sign up with one of these entities, whether it be a publishing company, a record label, uh, whatever, there's all of a sudden you in between those songs and success, you've brought in all these variables. Exactly. Now, you know, whether it's, uh, what other artists on the record label are being pushed the same time you are, you know, is it, is the song coming out in the fourth quarter when all the big artists will release Christmas songs? Um, you know, and I, I remember being frustrated with that at, at the time, you know, when our second record came out, the owner of the record company, you know, unfortunately uh, passed away. You know, yeah. and that just it just coincided with that, and and uh, you know, wind up actually doesn't exist anymore. That they started selling off their catalog and stuff. So, you know, it, it, it's you know, it's weird. But but that having been said, nowadays uh, with digital music and all the platforms, there uh, I think people have the opportunity to get rid of those variables and either, you know, do some type of small record deal um, and re or release your own stuff, get it up on Spotify or your, your YouTube video catches fire. I mean, the, the, you know, there's uh, more avenues now than existed then. You're, you're not as beholden, I think, you know? Well, I kind of like, I mean, I love your voice. We've been friends long enough that, we passed stuff back and forth and I, I can hear some of the stuff that you're doing. And I, uh, and then when you told me, Hey, I, I'm looking at maybe doing some licensing for commercials or what say, I thought it was cool. And I've heard snippets here and there and definitely, definitely a different sound. But, uh, but the thing is, is you can still hear the power and the quality in your voice. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It, we, uh, we, I did a song, specifically for that that purpose you know when, once i had kids and, and stuff and um touring and that life was not really an option anymore my manager suggested to me writing songs specifically with licensing in mind you know and so we did i did a song called uh friends with the wild that i sent to you um the videos on youtube and that was kind of my first introduction to writing with that, that purpose in mind. And, uh, we, I've gotten a lot of interest, uh, from a, a company down in Los Angeles that specifically takes writers or producers music and pitches it, you know, solely for, uh, TV and, and, you know, video games and stuff. So like we were talking earlier, it's still a way for me to exercise that, creative itch you know and, and in a way it's it's tricky because if if that song i sent you and then um if you watch tv now you'll see the trend is halftime bluesy progression every song has a whoa oh, 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 you know with stomps and claps you know whether yep. it's a jack, a jack daniels commercial or a amazon show you know so it's kind of a narrow lane within which to write, but in a way it's kind of a challenge because it's like, okay, 
like that song I sent you. And then this weekend I'm, I'm going to do two more. And it's like, okay, how do we take, um, a G D. Okay. <laughs> and make it sound different than the last song we just did. That was, you know, D G A or whatever, you know, cause they're all, they're all right there. Uh, you know, so it's, it's fun and it, um, I'm using my low register a lot more, you know, you, you might've noticed, you know, which is cool. Cause I, I still thought it had some range. Well, yeah, well, it's actually, it's, uh, I think it's just an octave. So I think, I think the, the song I sent you, the chorus is just an octave up from the verse. Yeah. Cause writing in that key, it's hard to find anyways. But, uh, so yeah, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm doing now. So. That, that's pretty cool. Um, I have a couple other questions. Um, one is, what what's your practice routine like? Whenever you whenever you're practicing, what do you do? How long do you sing? What do you sing? Sure. So, I I mean, the most relevant probably would just be my. You know, the last show show I played was a a, a private show down in L.A. at a, a hotel. Uh, across from Disneyland. It was actually kind of cool. It was on the roof and you could see the Disneyland like fireworks going off and stuff. And um, one of one of the things I became conscious of after working with Jamie was um, the tension, general life stress tension that we carry up here. In the neck. And, yeah. And I remember him telling me that, you know, a lot of these guys have masseuse that travel with them, like if it's Bono or, you know, they're probably getting a full body workup, you know, uh, you know, half hour, you know, Steven Tyler, I know he gets like a 45 minute deal before he goes on stage. And it's because that tension that we hold up here, um, I, I just imagine it just squeezing, squeezing my throat, you, you know, kind of. So the first thing that I do if I'm, if I'm playing a show or like, let's say tomorrow, I'm going to go into the studio and sing for five hours. Granted, it's recording, so they stop and go. But um, I will start warming up in the shower. So kind of doing lip bubbles and, and just, but pretty mellow uh, and, and stretching and kind of getting my neck going in, in the shower. Um, I will bring this guy. The pocket Vogues. The pocket, uh, yeah. I don't, shameless plug, uh, <laughs> the pocket Vogues. I've had this thing for a while now. Um, it's like, the way I use it is after I kind of do a formal run through a formal warm up, I, I'll just kind of have this on me um, in the studio or in the practice area to just kind of just keep coming back to it and we'll, you know, and it's like, I feel it's like condensing a lip bubble warm up into like, it's like on steroids into like, a no, it's, it's beautiful. You say that it's true. Yeah. I mean, so many artists have said that about it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I do that. And then depending on how I'm feeling, I, I either go and I, and I, and I rehearse and start recording and then I keep, keep coming back to the pocket books. And I, the biggest change I would say is it's, it's definitely a little more um, automatic 
now. Like I just get in and start doing it. I, I, I'm not, I'm not thinking like, okay, 8am wake up. Okay. Warm up check. Like, like, you know, I just get, I get up and start going and start doing it. If I'm driving like tomorrow, I know I'm going to be sitting in LA traffic. You know, I, I've got one of your MP3s on my phone, Jamie, I'll, I'll put that on or light, lightly sing to something. That's pretty cool. Okay. So it sounds like you sort of you just kind of internalized. It. It's like just part of your routine. You just do it. And then you kind of play it by ear based on what you're doing that day. All right. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I think one of the byproducts of, um, working with Jamie over the years and, and learning what I've learned is again, like you just get that. Um, it's almost like a blessing and a curse. It's like, once you're aware of it, you know, like, oh, I'm compressing my soft palate. That's how I get that sound. You know, once you're aware of it, um, you're aware of it, you know? So, so, <laughs> so if I'm, if I, like, I was just sick this past week and I knew that I was going to be going to LA tomorrow, you know, and I wake up in the morning, you know, Oh God, you know, cause now I'm conscious of that body voice connection. And once you're conscious of it, you know, you're, you know, I've, I've just been obsessing on it and I would, uh, test, <laughs> you know, I would test myself and like try and hit do parts, you know, and be like, Oh God, no, you know, I'm still sick. You know, that's um, like, oh man, my back is sore. I can't hit that note right now. <laughs> it's like, oh man, I stubbed my toe. Uh, you know, I can't, I can't sustain that note. Yeah, but, totally, totally. Yeah. So, you know, cool. Um, what? Okay, so just a few other things. I like to kind of run down some of the same stuff because I like to hear interesting, different answers from different people. Um, for you, what are the main one, two, three things that you do uh, to keep your voice healthy? Well. Um, I could tell you, well, we should, we could do the opposite. I'll okay. tell you the, <laughs> the things I don't do. Um, <laughs> I don't drink, um, you know, and I don't smoke. Uh, I mean, hey, uh, let's pause right there. Maybe I'm wrong, but would, would little Jamie Vendera have anything to do with that? I can't remember if I like really complained, <laughs> complained at you way back when, uh, you know, I don't, I don't remember. But I mean, I was definitely throwing them back and smoking when you came out. I probably didn't do it in front of you because I was so stoned, <laughs> you know, but you know, when, when you're 25, 26, you know, I, I, felt, you know, you've got that untouchable, invincible mindset and, and it was all part of the motif, you, you know, uh, but you know, when I, um, yeah, so, I mean, I just, I don't drink anymore. And I, uh, if I'm singing or, or, or practicing, I'm, I drink and I, the guys make, would make fun of me cause I have to go to the bathroom like every half hour. <laughs> That's <you know>? good. <laughs> uh, and I, obviously I don't smoke. I mean, yeah. those, it seems like laughable, no brainers, but when you're right, on the right. with five guys and everybody smoke, you know, you know, so anyways, so I got rid of those. I don't get sick that often. I, I really, I, I rarely, I rarely get sick. And even if I do, it's just like it's minor. You like I was this last week, you, you know. And um, I think that has to do with just with the no drinking, no smoking, uh, hydration. I don't have tonsils, you know. I don't know if that has something to do with it. Because um, I remember. 
there was a couple weeks at one point when we were on the road and I, and I lost my voice outright and I even went and I got scoped and I didn't have any nodes or anything, but, um, I think he put me on a steroid taper for like a week or something. And that's, and that, and that's never happened again. So, mm. uh, for anybody listening, just don't drink, don't smoke. Right. Yeah. The same advice we've been hearing since we were knee high to grasshoppers. Actually, I was reading, um, I was doing some research for a program Jamie and I uh, released a few months ago. And um, I was looking at like, you know, websites. I was looking at like research papers, but, you know, released by ENTs at universities and stuff. And I mean, it's, it's almost like surprising almost surprising that these people who have 15 years of, you know, education, they're all basically saying, if you want to keep your voice healthy, don't smoke, don't drink, don't shout. And if you smoke, you drink, you shout, you're going to ruin your voice. Like, it sounds so simple. Why do we need people with doctorate degrees to tell us this, you know, but it's, it's true. Like just, just doing those, it, it's a tremendous voice saver. Yeah. We're not doing those as it yeah. were. For sure. And, and I mean, just, you know, I, I look back at it now and it's like, man, if, if I was touring that heavily and still um, had those habits and was trying to play shows n nowadays, 10 years later, I mean, I, there's just no way I'd be able to do it. You, you know, I mean, we, we, we were just, you know, pedal to the metal, you know, four or five nights a week. Uh, it was a, a pretty brutal lifestyle. You know, I, I look back on it now and it's like, yeah, you know, I probably could have sang better. I could have put on better shows, you know, but it, you know, hindsight, you know, and, and a lot of the techniques and training I had was kind of with Jamie was, was not until kind of like halfway through that, that mm -hmm. process, you, you know? So, um, Actually, I think a lot of our listeners would be curious. Um, so you've, you know, you kind of, uh, you started out playing pretty young, you got a record deal, you were doing a lot of touring and performing. Um, can you tell us now, after having experienced that, um, what, what was that like? Was it a lot of fun? Was it, a, you know, was there a lot of uh, I don't know, difficulty? Was it uh, how, just describe the experience, however you would. Well, there's a lot of facets to that um, experience, you know. There's the obvious uh, fun and stress of basically spending 24 hours a day, seven days a week with four other people and being the band, you know. And that started years before we were touring, you know. We lived together. At one point, we all worked together. We, had, we worked at the same like call center, crappy call center job um, doing sales because that's the only place we could find that would let us alter our schedule, you know. So we lived together. We worked together. And, you know, by the time we started touring, then you introduce this like exhaustion, hangovers, <laughs> you know, and that uh, was amazing. I, I miss the touring aspect and that camaraderie and like brotherhood. I miss that part, but I can definitely recall, you know, stupid arguments over who gets to sit where in the van or, <laughs> you know, um, 
you know, why isn't this person loading as much gear as I'm loading? I'm the singer. I don't even have any gear and I'm helping, you know, and it, the list goes on. So there was that aspect of it. And then, um, you know, I mean, we got to see and go places that a lot of people don't get to, you know, I, I mean, I, we, I've been to, I think I've been everywhere, but Alaska, and South Dakota, I think of the, the states I haven't been to, you know, other than that, you know, you get to see amazing places and open for bigger bands and kind of meet some of these, some of these acts that, you know, you were a fan of maybe, you know, and that's pretty uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's so, you know, and, and then there's this surreal aspect of, your own fans and people coming up to you and signing autographs and you know that that whole surreal experience so there's there's a lot of elements to it you know it was funny because when we were when we would be on tour after a couple of weeks i would always start getting exhausted and and you know start dreaming of normal life of like being at home you know and then i would be at home for a couple of weeks and be like oh man let's like let's go like i'm around bored like, you know so and i still miss i i do miss the traveling and and the, the and the touring you know like i said it would my wife would uh not be cool with uh me being gone no you got a you got a great family and i understand i mean it, it's changed so much that to be a super group and really make it, you have to tour, 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 which would, you know, really mess with life. Luckily for you, I mean, I understand for those listening or fans, and this is just my opinion. I may be wrong, Clayton, but since there's no touring, uh, we probably are not going to see another Th Thriving Ivory record or another Midnight Cinema record. But, hey, maybe we'll see a Clayton Stroop solo record. That's right. No, yeah, so you will – Definitely, probably not um, <laughs> see or hear another uh, Thriving Ivory show or record. And that's cool. You know, um, that moment in time has been preserved, you know. And it's still um, priceless and you can be proud of it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but no, I mean, definitely, whether it's, whether it's as Clayton Stroop or, um, or a different alias, you know, uh, coming up here in the next, I mean, couple months, though, there's going to be some stuff um, released, you know, through a, a new partner down in LA. I can't really talk too much about it yet, but. Um, we love a good teaser over here. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I only love a good teaser if we can find out about it. How, how can we find, what would be, is there a ClaytonStroop.com? Is there a, is there a Twitter or an Instagram that you mainly use? What is your main uh, connectivity with your fans? Uh, yeah, either Facebook, just Clayton Stroop, you know, S-T-R-O-O-P-E or, or on Instagram. Um, and I, I, I don't have one page where I post stuff on and another, you know, I just put, I just throw all the same stuff up and I, I, at least when I'm traveling or when I'm in the studio working on stuff, I, I try and kind of document you know, where I'm at. And if I'm working with a, a really cool songwriter or a producer, I'll kind of give them a shout out and try and document who I'm with. So people kind of see, you know, who I'm working with. And, um, like this guy, the under, the under one word, um, who's an awesome 
awesome producer um, that I've been working with, and I'll I'll be with him again this weekend, working on some stuff as a a follow up to the song I sent you, Jamie. So and Good. so and again, so yeah. Let me see. So that song was I dug it. I really did. Yeah, that's A G D. So this next one, <laughs> G -A -D. This next one, we're going down a whole step, and we're going G F. B flat. <laughs> but what's fun what's funny is I say that and then you'll turn on TV and you'll and I'll hear something and it's like, oh yeah, there it is. So it's like obviously that music supervisors still want that sound and it's still resonating with people that they well, want. They did it with records though. I mean honestly, that's why looking back, if Thriving I had come out a few years earlier. Like in 02, you know, when Train was big or these bands, it would have been a different ball game. It's, it's depending on that time. Uh, now, speaking of that, I got a question that's totally different. <laughs> You're writing songs. How are you writing? Do you play guitar? Do you play keyboard? Or are you just are you just spitting out melodies? What's your so, process? Usually, I will get something in my head and record. A, I just will record a voice memo. I've got, you know tons of voice memos on my phone of little snippets. And then when I get home, then I'll try and figure out on the guitar what the hell I was doing or where it fits, you know, and inevitably what ends up happening is I'll, I will write and record something that's in one particular vein or, or sound like a song I sent you. And then the next like four or five ideas are all kind of spinoffs. So I just have to make sure that I either change, well, change the key or, you know, because when you're writing for this purpose, it's not like you're writing a, it's not like you're making a record and you, where, where you really want to make sure from song one to song 12 fits together. That it fits and, and nothing really sounds the same. It's like when you're writing with licensing in mind, you can almost kind of take if you're let's just say you're going to do a four or five song ep called whatever you can kind of almost take one particular sound or even one chord progression and do one song do the next one change up the message change up the progression slightly you know uh, so it it is a little different, you know, but uh, well, it's, it's a creative endeavor, but it's it's got to fit. You're creating a product now. Right, uh, right. It's like if, if I'm uh, if I'm scoring music for a, a soap opera, uh, they, they're going to tell you this is the particular style that we want. Right. You know, you, know, you had to have ominous uh, strings or whatever. So right. <laughs> I'm telling you, that doesn't mean that you're any less creative than what you were doing with Midnight Cinema thriving ivory but now you're you're able to funnel that creativity into a a points to serve uh serve a different purpose yeah for sure all right one other question i know we are going a little long here but um i, I was i want to ask what are your maybe some some words of encouragement maybe for someone who's a newer musician newer songwriter newer singer who's just trying to start out um you know, how do they, how do they stick to it? How do they practice? How do they make sure they, you know, audition for a band or form a band? What are some words that you could, you know, to help people through that sort of process? Yeah. I mean, I would say that, 
um, when you look at the bands or singers who are successful, most of them have some aspect of them that is has that unique or quirky factor to it, you know, whether it's somebody's voice, you know, and it's like, I can't remember how many times I've heard, you know, oh man, we, I love your voice. At first it was so weird. Or, you know, at first I didn't like it, you know, uh, you know, how many, you know, and I almost think nowadays with so much saturation out there with social media and, and, you know, anybody can throw anything up online. You've got to find that unique quality, whether it's your look, your voice, your lyrics, uh, this or the overall sound of your band, you know, you've got to find something that's unique so that you can kind of create your own unique uh, brand. What, once you find that, then you can exploit it and use all these platforms, you know, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Spotify, whatever, to push that out there and, and, and stand out. And I'm not trying to be cynical, but it's, you know, there's, a, there's millions of people on Instagram taking the Zoolander model shots, you know, you know, I, I'm, I know your listeners can't see my face, but uh, the duck face. Yeah. face. And I, you know, I would just say, ditch that, find out, find your unique voice, whether it's visual or, or if it's your actual voice or if it's the look of your band or whatever, and, and use that to stand out. And then, and once you get going, just if you've got the drive, and you know you've got something special you just you just got to keep grinding it out like i said it took us six years and that doesn't mean it has to take other people six years but you know it 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 can happen and it and it, and it does happen you, you know uh the opportunities in my life that have come about when i look back on it were very fortuitous and kind of kind of came about looking back on it kind of randomly, but we were prepared and we were, and we were ready when those opportunities came about. So, you know, yeah, that reminds me of a thing I heard. It's uh, everyone wants good luck. Good luck uh, looks a lot like hard work whenever you, whenever you boil it down. Yeah. Uh, that's that's awesome. So, I mean, yeah. So I, I don't know. So I've, looked at like some of the history of other bands and musicians, you know, over the thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, you know, all the way until now. And uh, for a lot of them, there are, you know, they're little lucky breaks or whatever, but you have to work really hard to get to the point where you can have a lucky break and it works out for you. And uh, you know, there's sort of like shifts in technological today, but there's new stuff today, right? you know, like, you know, 50 years ago, the idea of recording a video of yourself and putting it on the internet and people watching it a million times, that was unheard of, you right. know? So a lot of people, I don't know, I feel like for many people, especially newer people, there's just this, oh, well, I'm never gonna do it because it's never possible and there's so much competition and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's true, but the other side of it, it's easier than ever to get into it. Yeah, like, no, just, no, definitely, it's a, it's a two double-sided, sword you, you know but I, right. and I think you're right I think if you do 
decide to go for it, you know, and, and you find that unique aspect of whatever it is that you're doing, whether you're a full band or a solo singer or whatever, you know, then you can harness the power of all those other outlets that didn't exist when we first started, you know, and it, and it, you know, that's not to say you don't have to put into work, but it might cut down on some of those years. I don't know, you know, hopefully. Right. Uh, you know. Awesome. Okay. okay. Well, yeah, that's, that's all I've got. Um, Clayton, thank you very much for, uh, for doing this interview and yeah, Jamie, anything? He, he was one of my favorite students. Uh, <laughs> hey, I thought I was your favorite student. <laughs> I tell, I, I always tell you, Oh crap! You're both on here together. Well, when I, when I when I talk to you separately, I'll I'll repeat that sentence. So you, <laughs> now, Clayton, uh, love you, man. I love your voice. I'm so glad that you're still singing, no matter what aspect it's in. I uh, thank you for sharing uh, knowledge about it. So we look forward to hearing whatever you're putting out next. And again, Absolutely. if wanna... yeah, we, if we do this again in uh, two or three months, I'll have a lot more to uh, fill you guys in on. Sweet. Uh, remember, it's Clayton C L A Y T O N Stroop. S-T-R-O-O-P-E. You can find him on Facebook. You can find him on Instagram. And in our next meeting, he'll have ClaytonStrip.com or something. That's like that. right. There you go. <laughs> nice. All right. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Clayton. And we'll catch everyone in the next episode. All right, guys. Thanks. See ya. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sing Better Fast podcast. Be sure to subscribe for new podcast releases, events, and other great vocal resources at singbetterfast.com.